Hello and welcome to Art Witch, the podcast where creativity, magic, and healing align for personal and collective liberation. I'm your host, Zanetta, and welcome. Art Witch aims to provide resources for creative empowerment, helping folks make and share their art and also find their authentic expression. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of artists, witches, and healers, as well as experts in various art industries and related fields, all with the intention of helping folks share their art and their unique magic with the world. Hello friends, I hope you had a wonderful Samhain and Halloween. I'm so excited about this week because about a month ago I was called to create a Patreon community page with the intention of creating a library of meditations and spiritual tools. And this week I've released my very first commissioned meditation for that Patreon community. It's been so exciting to connect with all sorts of folks and to talk about different topics and different ideas around creativity, mysticism, self-healing, and to really let that community exchange inform the meditations that I would channel. So this very first one is called Clear Your Channel. It's all about pressing that energetic reset button. I think about those moments after a long day of reading tarot for clients where I need to really deeply disentangle my energy and to essentially clear my channel. So this meditation is perfect for that. If you've been holding space, if you've been having tough and heavy conversations, maybe you've just felt like you've taken in too much stuff. This is a perfect meditation for that. It's also really great if you've been going throughout your day and just shifting gears from one activity to another quite frequently and you just need to kind of clear the slate or call in really fresh energy. This is the perfect meditation for that. So I'm very excited about starting to really see this meditation library come into being. And it's going to continue to grow as the weeks and months pass. If you would like to actually access and connect with these meditations, you can visit www.patreon.com slash soundartmagic. I'm going to leave that link in the show notes below. This is a sliding scale experience. Essentially, I wanted to make this body of works available for as many people as possible. And also, when you join this Patreon community, you're really helping to support this podcast and keep this work going. So I really, really hope to connect with you on there. I hope you enjoy the meditations and let me know. I'm really looking forward to developing that community space and having a lot of dialogue about 
creativity, decolonization, mysticism, meditation, sound, listening, just all sorts of stuff. I think my latest piece was about Samhain and ancestral remembrance and using death acceptance as a form of internal compass so it's just a very powerful space for me to share even more deeply what I've been working on and researching so without further ado here is today's episode so I'm here today with Kristen Radden of over the moon oracle decks and academy and I'm so excited to share Kristen's work today. I found Kristen actually originally through um, Ethany, by way of Ethany and by way of Kasha from Tarot Map and just kind of that thread of folks on Instagram and on YouTube. And I was immediately blown away by how, first of all, prolific and how outside of the box and amazing Kristen's work is how many divinatory offerings and ways of working with the cards and just kind of exploring divination in a creative way Kristen offered. And so I'm so excited to be with Kristen and to hear about her creative process and journey with divination and just all the amazing things that she's cooking up. Kristen, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was so, so special. I love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) I usually ask folks how they kind of arrived at this moment in their creative journey and their mystical journey. And I know you've been working with divination for a very long time. Would you share a little bit about your journey with divination and creating divinatory tools? So it did start a long time ago. I I would say, I think when I was 10, I started studying dreams. And then when I was 12, I started studying handwriting analysis. And I didn't know I was studying symbols, you know, until much later. But I've always been attracted to symbolism and interested in symbolism. And I, I really didn't have anyone in my like family or in my life that was encouraging it. It was like I would just stumble across something interesting and I'd be like, oh, what is this? Let me study it. So um, I remember when I was going off to college, one of my friends gave me a tarot deck and she just said, I just thought you might, you might be into this. Like, I don't even know if she knew what it was, but <laughs> knew, I guess that it was like a weird thing that would be, you know, something that I would be into. And I, at that point, had never even heard of tarot. So that was kind of my first introduction to tarot. And I realized, even though I was really bad at reading it at first, I I think it was just that symbolic draw that I knew there was something in it that I really wanted to study. So I just kept, you know, kept with it. I just kept studying it. And in that form of divination really led me into other forms of divination. So I started studying playing cards and created my own playing card system. And I've studied charms, charm casting. And so now I just kind of, I'm looking to divine everything. That's what I say. I really want, Mm. I like to read everything. So yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. 
because it's it really does take the the practice of divination outside of just a system and and says everything is kind of informing everything on yeah, some level definitely. and there's magic and messages all around us at all times oh definitely yeah and that's that's really what I came to understand, you know, many years ago that everything is a message. And if you really pay attention, you know, you're getting messages all the time. You don't really, you don't necessarily need cards or another tool if you just pay attention, but the the tools are helping you kind of hone in, you know, sometimes you might get overwhelmed with what message am I getting? It helps to me, the tool should make the process simpler. But yeah, for for me, I've just been interested in symbolism for a long time and um, wanting to, I guess, just understand everything and everyone, just understanding people and how they work and understanding myself. So everything for me is a self-discovery process. Mm, That's so, so beautiful. I was wondering when you were saying about realizing that there's kind of messages in everything and that there's, there's kind of a, an awareness that you can build, would you share a little bit about how you've developed that awareness over the course of your journey? The more that you study, whether it's tarot or some other form of divination, I think if you really, and I've said this to somebody recently, uh, they're like, well, how do you know all these things? And I'm like, you have to study everything. So I, what I mean by that is the more that you study everything, you you the more you realize everything's connected, like all of the systems are connected. So it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter where you start or how you enter. The more you study, the more that you realize it's all the same system. So I'm a reflexologist. That's like my day job. It's also a symbol system. It's like everything for me is the same thing. You know what I mean? It's it, It's just all symbols. So I think part of it for me is just studying so many different things or like looking into it or and realizing that really everything is symbolic. And once you get a sense of that, you start paying more attention to like overheard conversations. You know, you're just sitting somewhere mm. and then suddenly you become aware of, someone else's conversation. And it's like, that's a message for you, you know? Um, So it's just a, I think it's just, it's something that probably for me happened naturally over time, but I think it's because I just have an interest in studying so many different things. I started to see how parallel they, they were. Yeah. I very, very much feel like I can relate to what you're saying about the connectedness between seemingly different things like, you know, art and science or music and the environment or divination and handwriting or, you know, that there are so, so many threads that connect and all these things were kind of a, they evolved not in isolation, but actually through all sorts of influences, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, none of these handwriting didn't evolve from nowhere. Right, <laughs> didn't right. didn't evolve by one person being on an island by themselves and and creating it. It evolved over several, 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 several you know years and over s- different cultures and over right. different situations and 
and all sorts of stuff kind of informs these different systems. So it's so interesting that you've kind of made that parallel with your own work, your reflexology work, and then also, you know, through your divination and through the ways that you create. And it kind of reminds me of a post that I saw on your, on your blog, where you were talking about being a a manifesting generator. And I was, I, (laughs) that pinged so many things for me because I've gotten into human design very, very slowly, but have become more and more aware of its relevance in the last several months. And I saw that blog post, (laughs) that series of blog posts where you shared about your experiences and then encouraged folks to kind of connect if they were a manifesting generator, Yeah, which is, I guess, is that an archetype or I guess a, a t- it's, it's, it's kind of like a profile? A, t- a type in their system. And there's, there's essentially four types, but generators, there's two subtypes, I guess, for generator, for generators. So yeah, they, they refer to them as types. Yeah. And so much of your prompts actually, and your suggestions really resonated with me. And that was kind of one of the things that really, I felt so drawn to your work originally was that you make so many amazing things. It's, it's mind blowing how many things you create and share so openly. And it sounds like you've really been on a journey through those posts, it sounds like you've really been on a journey of discovery about the way that you create and your creative tendencies. Would you share a little bit about how you came to this understanding and awareness of your creativity and your flow? Yeah, that, that is something I have been, I guess, attempting to understand or better understand. So I kind of have to go kind of to go back maybe maybe 20 years when I was still working in like the corporate world. My background is not in art or anything like that. It's just very, you know, kind of traditional business corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like the day that I figured out how I work. And it was really, that was the last job that I had where I work for somebody else. So it was like when you, to me, when you figure out how you work and your personal strengths in terms of how you work, uh, whether that's creatively, I think every, to me, work is always creative too. But like when you understand your flow, it's kind of like it gives you a confidence, not necessarily you don't have to work for somebody anymore, but it just gives you a certain confidence to understand what you're bringing to the table with work. And yeah. at that time, I didn't know anything about human design, but I, I figured out that I needed to multitask. And, you know, a lot of people will say like, you're not supposed to multitask. It's not, you know, it doesn't, it's not helpful and it's distracting. And I realized at that point, I was like, I really need to, I need to be doing about three things at once. Like, and when I'd say at once, it's not always literally at once, but it's like, I'll do one thing for a couple, not a couple minutes, like 15, 20 minutes. Then I move on to the second thing. Then I move on to the third thing and I keep going around in that circle. And I also just got a kind of more clarity just by observing myself, you know, when was I most alert? When was I best at doing certain things? 
um, certain times of the day, you know, things like that. And when I left that job, I proposed working for them as a consultant for mo- more money than what I was making as an employee. Yes. And one of the things that they <laughs> said was, and I proposed, you know, I said I could work for you for 20 hours a week. And they wanted me to work 40 hours because they basically just wanted me to do my same job, you know, uh, just as an employee again. And I said, was really like, it was like I was hearing myself saying it for the first time. And I said to them, my 20 hours is your 40 hours. And when I I heard myself say that, I was like, oh, yes. And he was like, okay, okay, we'll do it. And I was able to do the, the thing was I didn't have the structure of them telling me how to do my job anymore. So I was able to do it a lot more efficiently. I was basically doing the same work. I was still managing people and I was still, you know, managing operations, but I was doing it without the structure of somebody telling me how to do it. So I, I was actually much more efficient. Fast forward years later, when I discovered human design and I found out I'm a manifesting generator, it was like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to multitask, you know? Like I had been knowing that, but everyone kind of was telling you, me, you know, that's not efficient. And for in human design, the manifesting generator has to multitask. They actually become less productive and less efficient when they only do one thing at a time. And mm. that was what I had already discovered for, on my own. Understanding or having kind of some outside group, you know, confirm that or affirm that for me was really uh, pivotal. And then I was like, yes, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> I thought this was the best way for me to work, but you know, now I'm now I'm sure of it. So having that kind of level of confidence and in, in seeing uh, just the way the human design presents it for me has been really helpful. I don't really know much more than my type and my authority. Like, I don't know all the gates and all that stuff, but yeah, just knowing too. that is, has been so um, helpful. It's been so useful um, in understanding how I work and also understanding my creative flow. And so when I did that, that challenge, the creative magic makers challenge, that was a couple of years ago, it was really for me to understand how to live my human design and I, one of the things with generators is we're supposed to wait to respond. And I was always like, nobody wants to wait, especially a manifesting generator. We don't want to wait. It's like, ah. And so I really wanted to understand what does that mean? Like, I, I, I felt like maybe I'm not understanding it. <clears throat> That's why I'm having so much pushback with it. And mm-hmm. so I created that challenge so I could really learn and explore it and go through a process. And so the waiting to respond is not waiting in the way that we would think about that word. The generators, or and this is for pure generators as well as manifesting generators, our aura is attracting everything. So really all we have to do is think about something and we're sending it out there. And it's like a boomerang. So you're paying attention to what comes back to you. So this, you know, one of the things that I suggest is making like a waiting journal where you're just writing down all the things that are coming back to you. Because some people say, oh, nothing comes back. I'm not, there's no, I, I'm not getting anything. I'm not attracting anything. You're always attracting stuff. 
So you can attract positive stuff, depending on what your thoughts are, or you can attract, you know, negative stuff, but you're always attracting something. And if you do your waiting journal and you just pay attention to what's coming back, what I found was that I was attracting so much. Like it was like, oh, I'm getting questions and inquiries and lots of things that I really would have just ignored. Mm. Um, but when you write it down, that's why I like write everything down, write every question that somebody asks you, like on Instagram, this is a great tool to me for Instagram. When somebody comments on your, you know, on your post, write that down. Like, what are they saying? If they ask you a question about it, what you'll find is as a generator, when you try to initiate, you're like, I've got a great idea. I'm gonna put it out here. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes it. You'll, you, you'll know when, you know, people who, who've had this happen will be like, yes, this is exactly true. But if somebody makes a comment and they ask you a question, well, Kristen, how do you do X, Y, and Z? If I do a post on that, everybody likes it. Mm. And it's really is that simple. Like I had to break down that process so I could see it and make my waiting journal so I could see it. But I think that that's really important to do. So after I did that, that challenge, it made me more comfortable with that waiting process and my creating all the things that I create for a manifesting generator, we can create while we're, while we're waiting. And so what happens with manifesting generators is we're usually thinking ahead of our time. We're really waiting for people to catch up to us. So you might make this thing and nobody's interested in it. You're like, this is a great idea. I know it's a great idea. People won't be interested in this till three years from now. <laughs> okay? So it doesn't mean that you stop doing it. You mean you, you work on the next project. You put that aside. You just put it in the closet. And when people come for it, people waiting for it, people you know are asking for it, then you pull it out. And I actually had somebody write something about that on one of my posts, they were like, I'm a manifesting generator, but I'm having trouble getting things out into the world. And my response was, I don't focus on getting anything out into the world. I just focus on creating. So to me, the manifesting generator's job is just to create. When you look at, you know, people like Agatha Christie, Stephen King, Edward Gorey, they were all manifesting generators. They made hundreds of things, you know, like, I'm going to write a book every week or I'm going to draw a picture every week. That's what manifesting generators kind of are here to do. Make a lot. We're here to do a lot of stuff, but we don't have to necessarily wait for everyone to catch up. That's what I, the way that I look at what I do is I'm just making the stuff. After I did the challenge, I got really clear on what I wanted to do and what I wanted to spend my time doing. And I realized I really don't want to spend time marketing things or promoting things or um, trying to sell things to people. I just yeah. want to make the stuff. <laughs> so everything that I do, I really set it up so that if people want it, it's there. You can go get it. Um, but I try not to be in the middle of the process. Oh, I so hear you on that. And I didn't reveal to you that I am a manifesting generator as well. Yes, because you, I think you commented on one of those posts and I was like, and yes. I was like, oh my gosh, this person has really, really traveled down this path and it really, they're bringing some deep wisdom to these issues because I think you bring up some, some important points. Like 
the the kind of overculture in our society is that you know you focus on one thing you're being efficient you're being productive mm-hmm. and and kind of like that's a, a driven and ambitious individual and then you know to go and work on many things or to have many projects it's just can can leave you feeling pretty confused if that's the tendency you have. And I have felt that way ever since I was a kid, but neither one of my parents are, are folks like that. And so they would often be like, well, you know, what's going on? Why do you like, why are you reading 10 books at once? Why are you, you know, why are you making this and making that and studying that? And I was like, I don't know. I just, it's like, I've got to, like, right. if I don't. It's like, how am I going to breathe? Like, I just, this is like the way that I am. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what's important is embracing who you are. And that's, that's really the only difference for me. I've just, I just embraced who I was. That's what I'm, I'm just becoming more me. That's, that's what all this looks like. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage and strength to be able to, kind of stand in that knowledge even when you do find out your tendencies and you that light bulb gets lit and you're just like oh yeah this is this is how I do things even then I think that there's a lot of um you know just a lot of inner strength that comes in to just staying with your path could you talk a little bit about that you know because you had figured out that you you didn't want to be the middle person and and didn't want to, you know, necessarily market or things like that when we're kind of in a sea of that on Instagram. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a sea of that kind of uh, energy. Could you speak a little bit about staying true to what you know about yourself and your way of doing things? Yeah. Like with Instagram, everyone is trying to be like an influencer, And everyone's trying to be, you know, whatever it is that they think is necessary to get more money or more, you know, status or whatever it is. And I just realized through not just human design, but just living and just learning more about myself that, you know, I'm just Kristen and this is what Kristen looks like. Like, this is what it looks like. You know, I can't say, you know, that I do anything in particular I think it's just living, you know, I'm in my fifties now. I think getting older helps you to put things into perspective and to get clearer about um, not just who you are, but what you want. And Mm -hmm. I think also it helps you to understand how you manifest, which human design helps you understand that, that process too. Like uh, we, we don't all manifest in the same way. And that was really, really helpful for me to understand that we can't all just, just do it, you know, like yeah. it doesn't work that way. Um, and we don't and, have the same role necessarily right. to play all the time. Everyone has a unique part to play in this experience and you realizing I'm here to create, mm-hmm. that's your role. And that's powerful. That's powerful. I think just even knowing that and trusting that I know for myself, I've had enough experiences that, you know, you get older and you have enough experiences accumulated where you're affirmed that trusting those truths that you find out about yourself 
it's there. It's that's real. That's something that you can set your hat on. It's a common struggle I hear because, you know, that's a big thing that people come to a tarot reading for. Mm. You know, they come to find out about what's their path or, you know, if they should do this, but then there's this. And a lot of times it's just actually coming back to your sense of truth and, right. and then sticking with that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, figuring out, it takes time to figure all that out. Like it's not necessarily something that happens overnight. I think you have to, there's trial and error with that. And it's funny because just, just thinking about like all the stuff that I make now, I wasn't this prolific before. Like if I look back on my life, I can see I've always been creative. I've applied it in different, you know, directions and I've always been a like outside the box thinker and, and have always approached things from kind of a unique way. I always say I, I see the extraordinary and ordinary things. So whatever it is that I'm doing, I can kind of approach it in that way. But making all the stuff that I make now um, is still new to me too, because I didn't, mm. like I said, I don't have like an art background or, or a place in my life where I was making things like this. Um, you know, yeah. I've, I've been a curriculum designer and, you know, I've made classes, you know, and things like that, but this is probably the most creative or slash artistic area that I've, that I've really been in. And it came up just very spontaneously. I think probably around 2013, I started making my own Oracle decks. It was just something that I, you know, just it's like, you know, I'd, I'd really like a deck that did X, Y, Z, you know, you've got a hundred decks, but you can't find the one that, that does the thing. Yeah, that totally. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, it'd be really great to find this deck. So I just, I just, you know, thought, Hey, why don't I make it? And so I just started making some decks and I found printer studio. And at that time you could, you know, just, they were just coming up. They were just, you know, out there. And, and I was like, Hey, I can make these decks for myself. And I had a blog at that time and I was just putting some of the cards on in a post and people were like, Ooh, are, are you going to sell that? And it had never occurred to me to sell it. I was just making it for myself. Mm. And so later printer studio had like a sell your design marketplace. And that's where mm -hmm. I sell things now because it takes me out of the middle. People can just go directly there. But I, I just started making more decks. Like I hadn't, I had only intended to make one, you know, and that's how I think of everything. I always feel like the, the one that I make is the last one that I'm going to make. You know, I'm not, it's not mm -hmm. like I have this vision. I'm not like, you know, I'm going to make 20 decks this year. <laughs> um, I just think, oh, I just want this one deck. And then next thing I know, I'm making another one. And then there's another one. And that time period about 2014 to 2016 probably made like maybe 30 decks during that time frame and some of them are in the printer studio shop space but it, it was like a compulsion so I do I like to tell people that too like once it, it's like like what you were just saying like I have to make all these things there is something to it where Sometimes I feel like I can't really stop. And I had a reading, my psychic, the person I work with, she said, she starts laughing. She's like talking to my angel team. And she's like, oh, there's this little 
things. He's like, it's not, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's saying it's giving you all these ideas for decks. And I was like, can you tell it to stop? It's literally like every time I go to sleep, I'd wake up with another idea. Oh my And gosh. so she's like, well, I think you can tell it to stop and, um, you know, or just, you know, like, Hey, I'd like to rest. And I did that. And it was like for a couple weeks, maybe six weeks, I didn't really have ideas at the same rate. So I was like, oh, yeah. give me a break. Yay, it worked. And then after about, it was like six to eight weeks, it just came back again. And it was like <laughs> twice as many decks. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> these were just piling up. It's not the same. I thought I was going to take a real break. And now we're just doubled up on, on creating. And so that's how it always feels to me. It feels like there is a, a pile, like there's, like these ideas are just collecting and they're just like, like this pile. So I've got to do something with them. Do you know, that's how I feel. And that's why I'm very, I'm, I'm very comfortable with sharing them because otherwise what else are, what else am I going to do with these? I mean, Kristen, that's really inspiring for me personally. I'm sure for a lot of other folks, but I, I find that really inspiring to hear, especially that part about just like sharing them openly, sharing them freely. I think that there's a lot of, um, at least in, in my experience, I've had a lot of struggle with like, you know, the, the protection of ideas mm -hmm. or, you know, the, how do I do this in a way that like, doesn't feel like I'm, I'm just kind of giving it away or right. this or that, but then considering how this, how your flow is and the ways that, you know, you're channeling these yeah. ideas mm -hmm. and sending them out into the universe. It's like that trust is just so beautiful and so inspiring. And I really, really, I, I feel like I'm going to be taking that with me for a very long time into my own creative process. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Sure. And I want to say, you know, it's up to, I'm not, I'm not telling everyone to give things away. I guess my point is don't be afraid that you only have one good idea. Mm. Because to me, when I hold on, because occasionally I'll be like, okay, Kristen, you've done everything. You've done all the decks. There's nothing, there is nothing else that we can create. And I will, I will think that for a second. I'm like, no, because tomorrow I'll come up with something else. And so I think there, there is a, you know, there's certainly a freedom in thinking that way. I think that, you know, I hear people say, or they, you know, write or they post or email me and about creative inspiration or where do you get all these ideas or whatever to me it's by not holding on to the idea it's mm. like if you're 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 holding on so tight to one idea it doesn't allow the free flow of new ideas so i don't really hold on to these they, these are these just flow through me they get dispersed <laughs> because for me it just feels like they're piling up but I do feel like I had a, have an artist friend and I'm always talking to her about things. And she, so she gives me more of an art perspective. And she was saying that to me. She said, some people feel like you're doing something and it's going to be their one and only big idea, like their one and only creative idea. And I'm mm -hmm. like, really? People think like that? Like it didn't occur to me because <laughs> I don't think that doesn't ever come into my mind. You know, I mean, it, like I said, sometimes I'm kind of joking with myself, like, yeah, you've, you've done all the ideas now, but I know from experience that tomorrow I'm going to wake up with a completely different idea, something I hadn't even planned. 
And so that's what I'm saying. I don't really plan out, you know, doing however many decks. They just come to me. The ideas come. And I think, like I said, I think it's in part because I'm not trying to stop it. You know what I mean? I'm not putting on, I'm not trying to covet it. You know, I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to hold on to it too tightly. I just let it run through. And I'm also, um, from studying human design, I became very aware of timing in terms of sacral energy. So generators really work a lot with sacral energy. We are the generators and the creators of, of, of everything. And what I realized was that everything has like a time limit on it in terms of creating it. And it's usually mm. about 30 days. So for every project, every deck, I usually have roughly 30 days to make it. If I don't make it in 30 days, it will not be made. Like I, I what, what that means is I lose my sacral energy for it. Mm. And so I'm, I'm much more aware now. This has been something that's, you know, just within the last year or two that I've become very aware of how much time I have left to complete something. That's one of the reasons why I make things very quickly. Because people are like, how are you making them so quickly? I have to, or or else I won't. It's like doing something and just getting bored with it. (laughs) You're like bored now. Uh, So, and I will really be in the middle of something and just like, nah, I'm I'm not going to finish this. So I really have to, you know, if I, something that I think I want to finish, I'm much more aware of the time. And it's not a, it's not an outside time. It's not like, Someone is giving me a deadline. There's a very specific internal time that I have for, for certain things. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm more aware of it. In the past, when I was growing up, I just thought I was somebody who didn't finish things. And that's a whole nother problem, I think, for creative people and especially manifesting generators. We like to start stuff. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, I had to finish this thing. So it kind of, and it creates another pattern of expectation, you know, like, should I even start it if I don't know if I'm going to finish it? You know, because in my life I was, you know, told you have to finish it, you know, like there's a kind of a consequences to not finishing things. So I have to be okay now with things that I don't finish. Um, Like I get, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I didn't finish it. It's okay. You know, so I think, like I said, a lot of it's just learning about yourself and how you work, what your creative flow is. So I'm just, like I said, becoming more aware of how I work, how, what my creative flow looks like and more accepting of if things don't turn out. Like I make a lot of things that don't work. You know, y'all don't see that on Instagram, but I have a lot of fails and I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. But it doesn't stop me from not making, you know, I'm like, oh, let's do it again. I just do it again. So you, y'all just don't see those. But um, yeah, usually when you see it on Instagram, I've made it maybe five times already. That actually brings up a question that I had to be able to kind of make things within that 30 day window and to really follow that kind of invitation that you get from that sacral energy. Mm-hmm. 
How do you clear the way in your life? How do you make time for that? Or how do you construct your material experience <laughs> to be able to have the space to create that way? Because a lot of folks, right. you know, I think listening are like, oh, I like barely have enough time to work on this once a week, right. let alone create something within a 30 day window. What do you do for yourself to kind of foster that? process. I just set up my life like this and I'm not I don't want it to sound like so yeah I just set up my life like this. Many, many, many years ago, I wrote down exactly what I wanted my life to look like. I wrote down the fact that I really don't want to work that hard. <laughs> like I wrote like where I wanted to live, like not literally where, but I was like, I want to live someplace where it's warm all year round. I don't want to have to work or, or like travel and like, cause I used to teach um, reflexology and go, you know, travel to different schools and stuff. I was like, I don't want to travel between January and March. Like I was very specific about like what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And I have just been making choices that keep leading me to this point. When I stopped accepting jobs that were, would require me to work for people, like I would mm -hmm. accept temp jobs. Like I did temp work for many, many years. And the reason why I did that was because I could find temp work where I really didn't have any like real major responsibilities and I could use only 50% of my creative brain. So I would be mm. working for you or whoever the company was. And I would always have a piece of paper like a notepad to my right, and I would write down all the creative ideas then. So when I was making like those, all those decks, when I started making the decks, I had a part-time temp job, and then I was also doing reflexology part-time. And then I would go home and I would make stuff. You know, I would take all my ideas and I would, you know, form them. I mean, it's taken years. It's not like something that necessarily happens overnight. And I don't have kids, you know, I'm not married. So there's different ways that my life is set up that gives me a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I have also cultivated it that way. I have set certain intentions to manifest a certain way of life where I can really have my leisure, you know, in terms of creating and still be able to support myself. And for me, that is happiness. <laughs> you know, yeah. like everyone's happiness comes from different places. So I think you, you just have to figure out what would make you happy and just follow that. There's so much wisdom that you have shared in this very, very short period of time. Everything I think that you said has spoken so deeply to me in just the idea of making aligned choices yeah. over time, of recognizing that we are conscious creators of the happiness that we wish to experience. Um, it's just really beautiful to hear that because it, it does give a sense of empowerment. In instead of thinking, you know, some stroke of luck has to happen purely or I need to get X number of followers in order right. to do the thing that I love doing. Actually, if what you love doing is doing the thing you love doing, then you can set yourself up for that. And it doesn't require necessarily you being on Instagram constantly in order to do it. Yeah. And, and what I was saying about understanding how you work 
for me has been really empowering because even with the temp temp jobs, I would tell them like, I can only work these days in this time. <laughs> they were like, okay, because they saw how I worked. You know what I mean? I work very efficiently. So I think that gives you a sense of power. Like the, the power is yours, you know, to set up your life in a lot of ways that I don't think people think of, you know, I don't think we think we can say, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But people are a lot more open to it when you say it confidently, but you have to know what your skills are. You got to know what your strengths are. You can, you know, create, I think more, you know, when you have that confidence and that knowledge of who you are. Oh, so beautiful. You know, earlier we were talking before this recording and we were talking about decks you make that you share with others and decks that are just for you. (laughs) And I'd love, you know, to talk about this because I know a lot of folks are, are creating things, but are not sure what is meant to be shared with the public and what is meant to just be for yourself and kind of discerning the difference. Could you speak a little bit about how you decide and and how you know the difference between what's for the public and what's for you? It's funny because for me, I don't, I don't really have a problem sharing everything, but I think there is a a point where if you're going to be really concerned about what the person does with that, then you're probably not ready to share it. You know, like Mm. it's like getting a reading. I always say if you're, if you're emotionally attached to just like a specific outcome, you're not ready for that reading. You know, um, you've got to be at a place of neutrality. And I think that's important for sharing your work, too. And for me, I don't necessarily mind. Um, The main reason why things are just personal decks for me is mostly copyright issues. You know, they're things that I really can't share with, with other people. But I do find that it's it is challenging there's a, there's like a feeling (laughs) like, so it's funny to me because I see people sharing like their art journal pages and things and nobody's going like, Hey, can I have that? Can I have that? It's, it feels, (laughs) it feels kind of like you're almost getting bombarded sometimes with, are you going to share that? Is this going to be for sale? And it's like, can I just, can I just put it on my Instagram feed, you know, because can you just appreciate right. you just where it is right now right. and that I'm just connecting. Right. <laughs> yes. That, so that's what I feel a lot of times. Like I'm just sharing this. Like other people, like I said, I see them sharing things like from their art journal. Nobody's like, hey, can I, can you tear out that page of your art journal and sell it to me? And so there is this difference. You know what I mean? Like when you're making Oracle decks people feel like it's okay for them to ask. But for me, the Oracle deck is my art journal. So yes. Oh my gosh. It's the same thing to me. So I don't. Whoa, this, this is, this is something here because I, I think that there's this element. I mean, we have, I, you know, I have a lot of tarot decks. I read tarot for others professionally and I love it. But there is a voracious energy in the tarot oracle yeah. community of like, must get the next deck, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. ooh, this like this exclusive and elusive deck that Kristen has made, like must get my hands on it. And I, I think that people forget 
with spiritual tools, because my main, one of my main mediums is meditations. I create meditations and that is a huge part of my artwork. And yet it is a tool, right? It's, it's still a tool for folks. And same thing with an Oracle deck or a tarot deck. It's still a tool, but it's also artwork. And so it straddles this line Mm -hmm. of being very deep and yet also a good that someone can purchase from us right? <laughs> if they want. So it, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm actually reminded of the conversation, how there have been conversations about, you know, different tarot decks and asking artists to change the artwork in a tarot deck or not. And those kinds of conversations. And sometimes I, I haven't really landed anywhere with this topic, honestly, but sometimes I think there's, just this tendency for folks who are buying these decks or buying these tools to kind of view it as this thing that's customizable and this thing that you can just like ask people to change or to sell. It's, it's about the consumer experience. It's about the customer's experience. And, and part of that I think is a little fraught because Mm -hmm. we forget that there's a person that made this and, and went through a lot of work with themselves to get to a point to be able to make it. And also following that creative invitation, that idea, Mm -hmm. and then having developed the skills and a way to even put it up, even just to share it without, it's a lot. (laughs) It's so, so much. And yet folks are so demanding. <laughs> yeah. That's one of, one of my kind of pet peeves is the way that I always say when, when people have criticisms of decks, you know, if you go into Facebook, a lot of times you'll see there'll be all of this, you know, like whole threads about what's wrong with this particular deck. And my thing is when you've made 10 decks, then come have a conversation with me. Then we could talk mm-hmm. we questions. Yeah. Cause I've had people say, I haven't had a, you know, a really a lot of those. I, I haven't had to d- deal with a lot of that, but you know, some people were like, can you change the font? Can you take this card out? Or I don't like this card. I'm, I'm like, you don't have to buy it. Like I, I try to make it really clear to people that I'm not a deck publisher. I am just a person who's making decks for me and I share them with you. So um, I think it also depends on what is your purpose. You know, what Mm. you have to be clear about that. Uh, I believe when you're making something, because some people are making things for the public and they want the public's feedback and all that stuff. You will never see me asking for feedback for people. You can check through all my Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. I don't say like, hey, do y'all prefer this card or this card? Or should I do this font or that? I I don't do any of that because ultimately I'm making the tool for me. And right. I share it with you on occasion. You know, that's what my printer studio space is for or uh, what my Kofi free printable space is for. I will share it. I have no problem sharing. But yeah, I do think people forget that there's a person that is connected to this uh, this creative tool, this thing that, you know, that you want to buy. And then a lot of times people are really excited. And like I said, there's this, energy around are you going to make it available are you going to sell it 
And then when you do, then sometimes you don't ever see it. You know, <laughs> it's like, and I do the same thing too. I have a lot of decks that you don't necessarily see on my Instagram feed. Um, I might be using them personally, you know, for readings and yeah. a lot of times they don't get there. But then it's like, if you feel like you're going to have this attachment to it, this emotional attachment to the deck, once you've sent it out into the world, then you're probably not ready to send it out into the world. That's mm. how I feel. Yeah. It's such a fine line. And I think what you got into about knowing that your purpose for some folks, maybe their goal is to go and, and create something that everyone's going to be cool with. And, and that might be fraught, just FYI, oh, yeah. if you're listening and you want to do that. Yeah, I was <laughs> there, that's possible. That, <laughs> that's pretty tough. But you can get, you know, I think I posted on my Instagram today about sacred values and the things that I create. I create meditations and I try to create meditations where we don't talk so much about binaries in the meditations or just the language is a little bit more open. And those are my values. They don't have to belong to anyone else. And that's just what I'm creating because that's what I needed. And I think knowing your truth and knowing what you need and then realizing that's a big part of your purpose when you're creating things yeah. then sets the tone for the way that you share it with others and it sets the tone for what values are you going to uphold or what what's important to you when you're going to share it with the public or not? Yeah, I would say you can't make anything that's not you. So you can try. You can try to imitate other people's stuff, but it's still your stuff. You can't make anything that's not your stuff. And so to me, the every every deck I make for me, because I I can't not say that, like I can't make it not for me. And what I really do, every everything that you create is a self-reflection tool. It's a self-discovery tool. So what I find is that people do not take the time to reflect on it. You know, I mm. put it out there. And I'm like, have you looked at this to see your biases in it? You know, because when I make stuff, I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, I see all my shadow stuff right here. <laughs> That's you know? so good. <laughs> I mean, to me, you should be doing that because when you put it out into the world and you have to be cool with it when you put it out. So there are mm -hmm. things where I'm like, oh, oh, okay, I see that. Yeah, I'll still put it, put it out there. But if somebody wants to call me on it, I can explain it. Meaning like I know why it's there and I'm not going right. to change it. That's what I said. So when people have said like, well, I don't like this card. I'm like, okay. You know, so that, but I think sometimes that's what I'm saying that, yeah, you, to me, you can't make things for other people. You can only make it for yourself and then you can decide whether you want to share it or not. Um, given the understanding that it is, it is a tool that reflects you. If you've made it, certainly illustrating it, but even curating it, like I just find pictures a lot of times for things even curating stuff, that's still your stuff. You picked these images, you know. Everything that you make says something about you. Mm. I think it's really important for you to look at what you make, you know, whether it's an art journal page or it's a tarot deck, and really look at it, like, re like really look at those cards and say, what are they reflecting about how you see yourself and how you see the world around you?
And then if you're okay with that, you know what I'm saying? With that reflection, you still have time to change it. But usually once I make things, like I said, I kind of, you know, like you said, I've channeled them. I, they just kind of come through me really quickly. I don't typically change things a lot unless it's just like a, like I said, I, sometimes there's a fail, like it just didn't do what I want it to do. Like, like there might be a system or a, you know, something that I'm trying to work, work out. But usually once I pick an image, I have the image already in my mind of what I want to put in there. So that doesn't typically change. Even when I see it, and it's sometimes showing my shadow stuff, I will still leave it because that's where I am right now. That is so real. I talk about this actually with my students who I teach songwriting to. Mm. And they'll say, well, I think I was copying someone else's song or I'm writing someone else's song. And I'll say, well, that's where you are. Yeah. You need to write the song that's in in you right now. And then you can decide later what to do with that. But right now, this is what you're hearing. Go with it. Right. Like, don't stop. Because that kind of censorship in that part of the process is very, very fraught. It can really change the way that you interact with your creativity and with, yeah. and with those messages coming through. That process isn't flawed. It's just, this is where you are at this moment. This is what needs to come through. Let yeah. it come through. Kristen, it's just been such a joy to speak with you, to learn from you, and to hear about your journey. It's amazing, everything that you share. I'd love for you to um, share just a little bit about where people can find you, What you know? what's the best way to, to reach out or to purchase one of your amazing decks or one of your courses. Thank you so much. I, I just appreciate talking to you. It's been a lot of fun. And um the best way to reach me, I have everything over on my Instagram, which is OTM underscore Academy. And there you can find a, a bio link that has like all the things, all the connections. So you can find my classes. I teach on uh, Teachable and I also have two classes on Udemy. And then you can also find my printer studio shop space. You can find my link to my Kofi page, which is where I put my freebies, my free printables, things you can download. That's probably the best place to to start is on Instagram. And I have one more question for you, which I ask each and every uh, guest on this podcast, which is what advice would you have for your younger artist self? I think the main thing that I've really learned in terms of creating is just knowing myself and trusting that like I mean it does take a while but you have to get to a point where you stop listening to what the stuff that everyone else is telling you and you really start trusting what you're hearing inside and and how you feel and how you work you know how you what your what your own creative flow your internal flow is telling you thank you so much for that I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are for feeling the resonance of that wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode of Art Witch, please consider subscribing or writing a review. Each and every little bit helps spread the word to more and more people.